The Living Church of God presents Festival 2015. Go into all the world. Warm festival greetings to our brethren around the world. We hope you're having a wonderful Feast of Tabernacles wherever you are. In the Living Church of God today, we're striving to follow Jesus' command to accomplish our Heavenly Father's work and will. Jesus himself said in John 4, verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Our mission should be the very same. Doing the will of his Father gave Jesus Christ sustenance and power when he was on this earth. But what is the will of the Father? And what is the work that God has given to his church? The Father's will is that his church finishes the work it has been given, and the scripture reveals what this work is. The mission of God's church is to preach the gospel of the kingdom to the world, to feed the flock, and to warn the nations of the coming great tribulation. That's what the church has been commissioned to do. That's what God's word commands us in scriptures such as Mark 1, verse 14, Matthew 24, verse 14, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4, John 21, verses 15 through 18, and Matthew 24, verse 21. God's work gives our lives purpose and meaning. Before his final ascension to heaven, Jesus gave his disciples essential instructions, including their global mission. This is what he told them in Mark 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In this year's feast film, we would like to focus on the work that God is doing around the world, all over the Americas, in Europe, Africa, and Asia. This is truly a worldwide work, and it's exciting to share with you a glimpse of what God is going to do and what he is doing around the globe today. So we present to you Festival 2015, Go Into All the World. The universe, we are awed by its expanse, its beauty, and its majesty. We stand in wonder as we gaze deep into the night sky, and with man's increasing ability to capture images from God's handiwork, we grow in awe by its stunning brilliance. Why are we here? What is the purpose of man's existence? Mankind has long pondered these most important questions of life. King David looked up at the stars 3,000 years ago and asked the timeless question, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? The great God created the limitless universe. He fashioned the galaxies and other astral bodies. He made and gave life to the earth for a very special purpose. That purpose was to give mankind a home in which to live and grow and learn in God's very image and to prepare for eternal life in the family of God. But we have made our world not a place of beauty, hope, and peace, but rather a wasteland of war, violence, and despair, of cruelty and brutal hatred, of strife, not love, a world full of sin and death. God's word predicted conditions would worsen as the time of the end draws near. What does the future hold for mankind? Will humanity annihilate itself, or will a strong hand from somewhere rescue mankind from itself? When Jesus was on earth, his disciples asked him about the future. They asked him what would happen, and how they would know his return was imminent. This is what he told them. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. 
all these are the beginning of sorrows. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Is that how the world will end? Are we the last generation? Jesus Christ prophesied religious deception, war, and famine before His return. He prophesied that the love of many would grow cold. He said that there will be tribulations such as the world has never seen and will never see again. But He also said, He who endures to the end shall be saved. He foretold that some would endure and some would not grow cold in their love for God and for their neighbor. One of the ways that would express their love would be in taking the gospel, the good news, to the whole world. This terrible time to come will not be the end of all life, but rather the preface of a new beginning. Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Somewhere on this earth, just before Christ's return, that work will be accomplished. The message of hope, equity, peace, and a wonderful future will be made known to all. Everyone on this planet will have an opportunity to hear Christ's message. It is exciting to be part of the work that is striving to do this very thing. Are you and I focused on this? Are we striving to help Jesus Christ accomplish His mission? Are we as true Christians behind this work to work while it is day to accomplish our Father's will? Let's take a look at what is happening in congregations from sea to shining sea, across the great oceans, from one continent to another, all in the name of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. These are prophetic times. There's no doubt about it. And God is working through His church to finish a worldwide work. Let us travel together, brethren, and see some of His body at work. Assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The work of God in modern times has been based in the United States of America, the modern Israelite half-tribe of Manasseh, Today, the United States represents 56% of God's people around the world. Religious liberty and an abundance of material wealth have made the United States a powerful engine and launching pad for preaching the gospel to the world. It's interesting to notice the connection between the quest for religious liberty and the Church of God in America. Early in its history, Rhode Island was established as a colony dedicated to religious liberty and tolerance. This provided a haven for persecuted religious groups whose beliefs differed from state-controlled churches. Stephen Mumford, one of the first known Sabbath keepers in America, came to the colony of Rhode Island and started the first Sabbath-keeping church in Newport, Rhode Island in 1671. And that church still stands today. The religious liberty established in Rhode Island spread as the young nation grew and eventually became part of the fabric of the United States. It's in this context of religious liberty that the Church of God was able to spread from Newport, Rhode Island to Oregon, where a man by the name of Herbert Armstrong came into contact with one of these Sabbath-keeping congregations. The religious freedom that was first established in colonial America has enabled the Church of God to do the work that we're doing today in relative peace of preaching the gospel and supporting congregations all around the world. Today we have congregations all over the United States, from the arid southwest to the bluegrass of Kentucky, from the crowded metropolitan northeast to the Pacific Northwest, and as far north as Alaska. We have brethren who live in the Rocky Mountains, in the Appalachian Mountains, around the Great Lakes, and also around the Gulf of Mexico. Our brethren come from every walk of life and from every ethnic background. We're grateful that God has given us relative peace and security to do the work here so that it can spread around the world.
Today, we have 160 congregations in 50 states around the country. They are served by six regional pastors and 63 area pastors. Many of our pastors have been conducting Tomorrow's World presentations. In the United States, we have had almost 400 of these in the last 15 years. Oftentimes, our regional pastors or ministers from headquarters serve as the guest speaker for these special events. It's a unique opportunity for brethren to meet people on the front lines. This has been an exciting program to bring people along who are on our mailing list and let them know there are local congregations. Our dedicated local pastors often serve multiple congregations at once, warranting long drives between congregations. They are on the front lines meeting new people, responding to go-tos, and visiting with brethren. In the last five years, our pastors have responded to more than 10,000 go-to requests. One of the main functions of the ministry is to train new leaders. Our leadership training programs comprise a wide variety of activities. With the beginning of Living University eight years ago, we have a powerful tool for training future leaders. Living University currently enrolls about 200 students online each semester from all over the world. This includes a number of on-site students in Charlotte, North Carolina and Adelaide, Australia. LU offers classes in theology, biblical studies, speech, the practical applications of biblical principles to marriage and family, health, roles of men and women, and many other subjects. On the local level, many pastors conduct spokesman clubs in their areas. This gives local men an opportunity to speak and grow in leadership skills as they plan and carry out responsibilities in their congregations. Having local functions and responsibilities is a chance for men and women to learn to lead. The Advanced Leadership Training Course gives pastors further, more extensive opportunities to work with leading men in the congregation and prepare them for greater leadership. For decades, our brethren and congregations around the United States have served as the base and foundation of the greater work the Living Church of God is doing around the world. The tithes and offerings of our generous brethren in the U.S. have made it possible to help many people around the world who we would otherwise not be able to help. We're able to subsidize to varying degrees the work in other areas of the globe because of how God has blessed the United States and because of God's people and their generosity and their commitment to support the work. We are immensely grateful for your support. And more importantly, as the Apostle Paul told the Hebrews, God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. To the people of the land from sea to shining sea, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The work of God in Britain and Ireland has a long and distinguished history, going back to the first century, long before the Roman church arrived on the scene. According to the earliest historic sources, several of the original twelve apostles were the first to bring the gospel to these islands. Ivor Fletcher, a Living Church of God member from Bristol, England, has amassed considerable historic evidence in his book, The Incredible History of God's True Church, which describes and supports the early history of the Church of God in Britain. God's truth was able to survive through the centuries despite continual opposition and persecution. Sabbath-keeping congregations continued down into the 17th century, and it was from these small but faithful groups that original Christianity was transmitted to the New World. Against this background, it is a privilege and an opportunity to be able to continue to uphold and restore original Christianity in the United Kingdom and to publicly proclaim the true gospel message with little or no opposition. It's also an honor to serve in the work of God in countries all over continental Europe. 
we have scattered individuals and little flocks of faithful members on the continent who continue to stand strong in the truth. Today we have an office in Northamptonshire that serves the United Kingdom, Ireland, Scandinavia, Eastern Europe and the Mediterranean. With smaller administrative offices in Belgium, Germany, France, Switzerland and the Netherlands. Dr. Douglas Winneo pioneered the work of the Living Church of God by serving as the first director for this region before transferring to Charlotte, North Carolina to become the director of church administration. Much of the recent growth is due to God's blessing on the efforts of Mr. Rod King, who served as regional director of the area from 2006 until the summer of 2014, when he and his wife Shane moved back to Australia. Mr. Simon Roberts is our office manager in the United Kingdom, assisted by full-time administrative assistant Jamie Meekin. Debbie and Sue Bennett are part-time administrative assistants and are based remotely in North Wales. In the past, the Tomorrow's World program has been broadcast on Sky satellite channels like Gospel and Word to over two million homes in the United Kingdom. In October 2014, we started on CBS Reality's Freeview TV with a potential audience of over 25 million homes. Responses from this new network have been excellent. This was expanded further with an additional channel, CBS Action, in May 2015. The French-language Tomorrow's World program, Le Monde de Demain, also began airing on Channel 10 in 2015. Tomorrow's World is also broadcast in Eastern Europe with Russian voiceover. Vijay Larde is employed full-time as managing editor for Le Monde de Demain magazine. In addition to translating French literature, he also serves as the website developer for the church's French and Spanish language websites. In the United Kingdom and Ireland, John Meekin, Adam West, Simon Roberts and I serve as full-time employed ministers with help from non-employed elders Henry Cooper and John Murphy. In these areas, we serve 14 congregations with 300 brethren. We have 41 young people under 20 years of age in this number, and it's always a delight to work with our young people and the Church of God. In Europe, we have several faithful elders and a number of other fine members who serve in significant roles. In addition to his responsibilities in Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, and a small portion of France, Mr. Rhys Ellis serves in French-speaking Africa. Mr. Adrian Kafer in Germany has done a Herculean work by translating all of our booklets and scores of articles into the German language, in addition to mailing out all German language materials from his home. We have 180 brethren in six different European congregations and just under a dozen young people there. We also have isolated members in Denmark, Finland, Greece, Malta, Portugal, Spain, and Sweden who are faithful to the truth of God. Our young adults and youth are scattered about Europe and they enjoy every opportunity to get together. Summer camp and the Feast of Tabernacles at the two European festival sites in France and the United Kingdom are prime examples. They relish these chances to meet new people and forge lasting friendships in the Church of God. They really love to take advantage of these fun and special activities. After serving in Canada for 13 and a half years, my wife and I are now in the process of moving to the United Kingdom. We will miss our Canadian brethren, but I'm pleased that taking over the reins of the region is a longtime experienced minister from Edmonton, Alberta, Mr. Stuart Wahavich. To introduce this portion of the film about Canada, here is Mr. Wahavich. Canada is America's brother to the north and is a challenging country when it comes to carrying out God's work. We currently operate an office in Mississauga, Ontario, a city of over 720,000 people and a suburb located on the west side of Toronto. The office is situated in a modern business park and is home to eight full-time employees. They serve the needs of God's people and promote the preaching of the gospel in the second largest nation on earth. Canadian members and co-workers and Tomorrow's World subscribers 
are spread across 4,000 miles of territory east to west and over 3,000 miles north to south. Currently, we have 850 brethren who attend 41 congregations of the Living Church of God in Canada. And these congregations are supported by 15 ministers. Our number in Canada includes just over 110 young people under 20. We're grateful to have these teens and children coming up through the ranks. We enjoy seeing them grow up. The work in Canada cooperates very closely with the U.S. headquarters in Charlotte, with each country doing what it can to serve its own needs as well as needs in other parts of the world. An ever-increasing amount of literature that is distributed to international areas is now printed in Canada. This includes, but is not limited to, all of our English language booklets that are distributed in Canada and the British Isles. It also includes all the French, Spanish, German, and Dutch language booklets for worldwide distribution. If you live virtually in any place in the world outside of the United States, the postage for your Tomorrow's World magazine is paid for by the tithes and offerings of your Canadian brethren. In addition to literature distribution, the Canadian office hosts a fully equipped modern television studio where programs are tailor-made for the work going into Asia by way of Hong Kong and India. The effort to preach the gospel to all people is underway in the far north with thousands of people receiving the magazine and many more thousands following the Tomorrow's World program on television or the internet. Canada has some of the most northern members, co-workers and magazine subscribers in the world. The overwhelming majority of individuals who respond by repenting, accepting Jesus Christ as their savior, being baptized, live within 200 miles of the United States border. However, some, such as the late Paul McDonald, live 2,000 miles north of the United States border. Paul became a member of the Living Church of God back in 2002 when I baptized him near the Arctic Ocean. The water temperature was a balmy 40 degrees Fahrenheit or 4 degrees Celsius. Shortly after his baptism, he was out fishing for Arctic char in the Arctic Ocean. There are other individuals and congregations in not quite so remote regions, such as Terrace and Prince George, British Columbia, Grand Prairie, Alberta, Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, Thunder Bay and Sudbury, Ontario, and Springdale, Newfoundland. Some members travel several hours each week to attend Sabbath services, but some members live too far away to attend regular services. The church supplies these faithful members with DVD sermons and sermonettes on key doctrinal topics. Because of a shortage of ministers to serve each congregation each week, congregations throughout Canada are often linked through interactive internet connections. We would be wrong to leave you with the impression that all Canadians live in remote villages far from their borders. Canada boasts large, world-renowned cities like Toronto, which is Canada's largest, with six million people living within the greater Toronto area. It is also where we have the largest number of members. Montreal, the largest city and French-speaking province of Quebec, has also a thriving church congregation, one of the world's most beautiful cities, Vancouver, British Columbia, also has a nearby congregation. We also have a congregation in Calgary, where members are only an hour's drive from the Canadian Rockies with Banff and Lake Louise at their doorstep. So whether we're talking remote or densely populated, we have members and congregations from Vancouver Island on the west to Newfoundland on the east, from Grand Prairie in the north to Windsor in the south. The work of the living God is truly going to the ends of the earth. You can go from the extreme north in Canada to the extreme south at the tip of Argentina and you will find God's people there too. In Tierra del Fuego, we have faithful members who are part of the living church of God. Your brethren living at the end of the earth they usually travel over 2,000 miles by car to attend the Feast of Tabernacles with other brethren in Argentina. We have seven feast sites in Latin America with nine ministers serving 515 brethren in 22 congregations. Of those, 123 young people are attending as well for which we are very happy. 
The church has grown a great deal in just the past few years in this part of the world. And God is providing the manpower to serve his people as well. In 2015, we celebrated the third Spanish-speaking ministerial conference in Colombia with the attendance of Dr. Douglas Wenell and Mr. Dexter Wakefield from headquarters. One of the main goals of the conference was the development of a strategy to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God by radio in every Spanish-speaking country in the world by the end of 2016. We have also created our own online Spanish radio station that allows us to preach the good news of the kingdom of God through internet connection with real radio stations. Our online radio broadcasts are also available to a worldwide audience. Presently, we are already preaching by radio in 13 radio stations in Mexico, Panama, Colombia, Venezuela, Peru, Argentina, Chile, and Bolivia. We are also airing on YouTube the Spanish version of our five presenters' telecasts. We are having phenomenal results of over one million visits per year coming from Spanish-speaking people living in 100 different countries around the world. For the publishing of the good news of the kingdom, we have over 19 booklets translated into Spanish. We also print El Mundo de Mañana magazine, which is the Spanish version of the Tomorrow's World magazine. And in order to feed the flock, we are producing now the magazine Buenas Nuevas, the Spanish version of the Living Church News. We have also created a website that allows our local congregations and our scattered members to gather every week online for Sabbath services and spiritual fellowship. And every other week on Friday evenings, our ministers take turns to give a Bible study online for all the Spanish-speaking brethren in the world, including a household in Jerusalem. We are very excited about the future of the work in the Spanish-speaking areas of the world. Located between Florida and South America is the Caribbean region. We have 673 brethren served by eight ministers in 16 congregations and seven feast sites. The Caribbean has many diverse cultures with six languages and 30 territories and independent states on 700 islands plus Guyana, Brazil, and French Guiana in South America. Thanks to the pioneering work of past regional directors, we now have dedicated elders and servant leaders serving their brethren locally and on adjacent islands. Earlier this year, we were saddened to lose one of our faithful full-time ministers, Mr. Fitzroy Greeman, to a kidney condition. He was much loved and is sorely missed. We have local church offices in Jamaica, Barbados, and Trinidad, which also have three of our largest congregations in the world and they are all growing. We are especially happy to see how many young people we have in the Caribbean, just over a hundred around the region. They are vibrant and full of life, and they are treasured by our Heavenly Father. We have many youth who have been learning the truth and growing spiritually and preparing to be the next generation of pillars in God's church. We have been grateful that a number of them have been able to make the trip up to the LYC teen camp in Ohio the past few years. The experience has been invaluable for them. For quite some time, the Tomorrow's World telecast has been viewed throughout the Caribbean islands. In some places, like Barbados and Trinidad, the telecast is very popular and is commonly well known by the general population. We have now been blessed 
recently to add a French satellite channel, which is also reaching France and Africa. Tomorrow's world presentations have been held throughout the region with excellent results. New people are eager to join in fellowship with the Living Church of God in ever-increasing numbers. There is a real need for more manpower to minister to these remote areas, and we are glad to see men coming along and developing as leaders in serving their brethren. Did you know that we have Amer Indian brethren in Brazil and Guyana? In the past, we've only been able to visit them once a year or so, but we're now planning to visit them three times a year. Even though travel there is difficult, we have 130 persons there keeping the Feast of Tabernacles with us each year. And they've even built their own meeting hall. They speak their own language as well as Portuguese in Brazil and English in the fellow villages just across the border in Guyana. Communication is a challenge, but God's truth does not lose its power even through translation. It's a wonderful blessing to serve these people who have been given the miracle of having their hearts and minds open to God's awesome plan for all mankind. Our brethren in the Caribbean region of God's work greatly appreciate the support and prayers of their brothers and sisters around the world. On the other side of the globe from Charlotte, we have the countries served by the Australian office. Our regional office in Adelaide is home base for much of the work's ministerial and administrative operations in a vast and diverse part of the world. The Asia-Pacific area goes all the way from the International Dateline near Fiji, right across to India and Pakistan, covering over six time zones, or more than a quarter of the Earth at the equator. Not only that, it contains approximately half of the world's population. It includes the world's most populous Muslim nation of Indonesia, and almost all of the world's Buddhists and Hindus. In the vast area, the Living Church of God has scattered groups of dedicated and zealous members, battling incredible odds to maintain the truth in the midst of satanic forces, of false religion, and a variety of demonic governments. Across the whole region, we have approximately 1,800 brethren in 13 countries with 55 congregations served by 32 ministers. The 55 congregations are filled with people of every age and every background, from the Aussies down under to the Kiwis of New Zealand, up to the island nations of the South Pacific and west over into Southeast Asia. We are brethren who have been faithful to God and His Word over many, many years. And we have over 500 young people coming up who inject new life and vitality into the church. And it is exciting to see God working with our youth both those who grew up in the church as well as those who are called in from the world. We are grateful to see these young people coming along, some of them transitioning into leadership roles. We must plan for the future as we strive to do God's great work. The vast language and cultural differences add spice and richness to the congregations in the church. But the region is also beset with many challenges as well. The massive recent earthquake in Nepal Cyclone Pam in Vanuatu, Typhoon Yolanda in the Philippines, the hurricane in Burma, the Indonesian and the Sri Lankan tsunami, and the Japanese tsunami, just to name a few. Probably half a million or more lives lost, as well as millions more seriously affected directly by injury, disease, loss of homes and possessions. And think of how many are suffering due to the loss of support by family members killed by these disasters. However, let me introduce you to our Australian regional office in Clarendon, South Australia. Clarendon is a small town located in the Adelaide Hills, about 25 to 30 kilometres south of the city of Adelaide. We have seven full-time staff members. We also have two on-campus living university students from the Philippines who work part-time helping with various office functions. Michael Gill is our finance and media director. Mr. Gill is also the Adelaide Church pastor. Robert Tyler is overall office and buildings manager and supervises the Bible education program, including the Living University students. He also pastors members in Thailand and Tasmania, as well as coordinates the youth program and takes care of the 
Feast of Tabernacles organization. Brian McKenzie has recently joined our staff and because of his vast accounting, financial and taxation qualifications and his knowledge, he has rapidly become an invaluable advisor in running the corporate affairs of this area of the work. Mark Mager is our mailing office supervisor and runs our information technology department. Mr. Ryan Nicholson is the region's bookkeeper and accountant. Holly Sheffield, a New Zealander who originally came to us as an LU student, is now our receptionist, data entry department, finance assistant and chief gardener. In this island continent of Australia, we have five major congregations. Apart from the Adelaide congregation, Mr. Rod King pastors the Melbourne Church. Mr. Darrell Tanner looks after Brisbane. Mr. Graham Hempel is in Sydney. And Mr. Mel Jennings is the pastor in Perth. We also have five elders supporting these men with their pastoral responsibilities, giving us a total of 12 ordained men in the country. Mr. Rajan Moses lives in Malaysia and travels about twice a year to Burma, India and Indonesia to visit and encourage our members. He also visits our brethren in Thailand and pastors two local congregations in Malaysia and our members in Singapore. Mr. Arias Nusantara serves as an elder in Indonesia, taking care of our local brethren there and translating articles, booklets, sermons and tomorrow's world video productions into Indonesian. Mr. Graham Hempel, our Sydney church pastor, visits our brethren in Vanuatu and Papua New Guinea. We have around 180 brethren in these islands who of course welcome visitors for the feast. New Zealand is another area we serve where we have 140 brethren. Mr. Paul Kearns is kept busy pastoring the nine or ten congregations spread over the two main islands. Mr. Tony Mann just recently moved there from the regional office to assist Mr. Kearns with his busy workload. Both of these men were the first two Living University degree graduates who trained at our Australian Bible Education Centre and are doing a commendable job. The fruit of Living University is beginning to show. Mr. Kinnear Penman and his wife Carolyn moved to the Philippines from New Zealand two years ago. They now live in Manila and have been faithfully serving in this populous and mostly Roman Catholic country. We have 24 congregations throughout the archipelago served by five full-time ministers. There are another six ordained local men to assist them. On the far western part of the region, we have a congregation in Sri Lanka. Mr. Zig Zvolby, an elder helping Mr. King in Melbourne, oversees the church in Colombo. He conducts Bible studies and spokesman's clubs from his home in Melbourne and visits the brethren about three times a year. In the past few years, the doors for preaching the gospel in Hong Kong, China opened and the Tomorrow's World telecast went to air. Another has opened in India, with the telecast airing in the western province of Goa. It is exciting to see what God has in mind for these two very populous nations, comprising by themselves about one-third of the world's population. We are grateful for what God is doing in this part of Southeast Asia and all over this populous and intriguing part of the world. This region surely needs to hear the good news of a coming new world government and a peaceful future for all mankind. We thank you for your support and prayers in helping to accomplish this enormous task. This past year, Mr. Peter Nathan and I visited with our elders and brethren in Africa. It was a very inspiring experience to see the dedication and warmth of our brothers and sisters in this part of the world. In East Africa, we have more than 20 congregations scattered over Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda, with around 400 brethren attending Sabbath services. We also have several feast sites in East Africa, one in Kenya and one in Tanzania. The people in these areas are cared for by our area pastor, Mr. Simon Muthama. During our visit to Western Kenya, we met with the leaders of a group of more than 300 new brethren led by Elder Ephraim Abok, 
who have joined with us to do the work of God in this part of Africa. As part of our visit, we toured their congregational site near Kendu Bay on the shores of Lake Victoria, and we conducted a conference for their leaders. We were also able to conduct two Sabbath services at two different locations in Western Kenya, in Kindu Bay and also in Dewa. We certainly appreciated the warmth of our brethren in Western Kenya. When we arrived back in Nairobi, we had a very interesting tour of a television and a radio station where we discussed the plans for promoting the telecast in East Africa. Mr. Nathan and I then did a live interview answering questions about the work of the Church of God. The interview was then broadcast later that day. Next, we traveled to South Africa, where the Church of God has had a vibrant work for many years. We visited the combined congregations in Johannesburg and conducted a conference for the ministers in South Africa. Today, we have eight congregations served by six ministers, Louis Bauer, Mansi Bauer, Christo Botha, Lottie Ferreira, Roger Herbert, and Tony Levy. We've been able to have two feast sites in Southern Africa for the last several years. We were also very happy to meet a number of new brethren who've come with us in this part of Africa during the past year. For the last several years, we've been able to conduct a living youth camp in South Africa that has enabled the young people in Southern Africa to enjoy some exciting activities, such as animal safaris, caving, and some other exciting activities. We're also grateful for the opportunities these camps give to our growing ranks of young people. The camps are invaluable for teaching young people a different way of life, a new way of life, actually God's way of life, in stark contrast to what they see in school and in the world. We also have a number of members and congregations in Botswana, Lesotho, Mauritius, Swaziland, Zambia, and in Zimbabwe. Sadly, earlier this year, we lost one of our longtime ministers in South Africa, Mr. Peter Vanderbau, to a stroke. Mr. Vanderbau was a dear friend, and we will miss him dearly. Mr. Vanderbau and his wife, Pat, have served the brethren in Southern Africa for over 40 years. We also have brethren in Western Africa, in Nigeria, served by Dr. Odili Akin Ogundiji. We call him Dr. Akin. We also have brethren and congregations in Benin, Burundi, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Ghana, and Togo. We've also been able to hold the Feast of Tabernacles for the last several years in Nigeria, where they come dressed in their colorful costumes. Mr. Reese Ellis flies down from Belgium to help serve these French-speaking and English-speaking brethren in this part of the world. He also travels to Ethiopia from time to time to meet with our small but growing congregation there in Addis Ababa. We look forward to seeing God's work grow in Africa in the years just ahead. As we observe the Feast of Tabernacles this year, It's exciting to imagine how the whole world will someday be observing this annual festival. The world will transform dramatically from violence, war, famine and strife to peace, security, brotherhood and love. The nations that will have previously fought one another and also will fight the returning Jesus Christ will join arms to worship the King together. What a truly wonderful future. What a wonderful vision of the future of not just our individual countries, but the entire world. The kingdom of God, grown like the mustard seed from a very tiny beginning, will fill the whole world. That's an exciting future. And this earth, which God gave to be humanity's home, will be like the Garden of Eden and will be a place of peace. And we will be at the headquarters of God's kingdom throughout the whole universe. It will have a chance to be there and work with Christ in that glorious kingdom. Have a wonderful feast, have a unifying feast, and let this feast be edifying and encouraging to you and your family as we go forward and accomplish this worldwide work together. On April 23rd, 2015, 
The Tomorrow's World magazine subscription list reached 500,000 for the first time since its inception in 1999. Since that time, the Living Church of God has published and distributed free of charge more than 22 million copies. Right now, you are looking at the mail processing department of the Living Church of God headquarters office in Charlotte, North Carolina. Last year alone, close to 1.6 million pieces of mail were sent out from here. That is not including the English Tomorrow's World magazine and the mail and literature that is sent out directly from our regional offices around the world, especially from our office in Canada. We are so thankful for this growth and the work God is doing around the world. And now, for his closing comments from the mail processing department of the Living Church of God, Presiding Evangelist, Dr. Roderick C. Merida. And greetings, brethren, all around the world. Thank you so much for all of your help, your love, your loyalty, your loyalty to the work, and to God Almighty. I hope all of you are having a wonderful feast down in South Africa and Australia, New Zealand, the Philippines, over in Britain, Europe, Canada, all around this world. God is with us. He's going to bless us so much as we keep His festivals as we keep His commandments, as we yield to let Christ live His life within us and do His work within us. Thank you for your part. I deeply appreciate it. I'm sure God appreciates it too. Most of you know I'm going to be turning 85 years old just a few days after I make this. And I thank God that I've had the opportunity to be full-time in Christ's service for 63 years since my graduation from Ambassador College back in early June 1952. Brethren, as many of you know, God used my wife and me to help raise up this work back in 1992, 40 years after I was ordained as a minister, this work raised up. I think that's an unusual thing, not just a coincidence. We had our first Sabbath service in my home on December the 26th, 1992, with just 19 in attendance, and now we're getting up toward late upper 10,000 or maybe 11,000 attendees at the feast this year. Our second Feast of Tabernacles, or our second service, I should say, was the next Sabbath on January the 3rd, 1993, and we had 42 in attendance. Then that autumn, we jumped up to 1,500 people for our first Feast of Tabernacles attendance. The next year, 3,000, and we've been growing. I'm very grateful for what Christ has done. Certainly, He's had to use very weak human instruments, but He has used us. And we're very, very grateful that we have had the help that we've had at the beginning. Not one of the older ministers was willing to step out and help me do the work, but many have come with us since then, and we're very thankful. A number of faithful pioneer ministers came along with us during those early years and helped us, and I want to honor them. We want to keep our eyes on the big picture of what Christ has been doing. Among the very first people to come were Mr. and Mrs. John O'Gwen. Mr. O'Gwen was used powerfully by God. And, of course, he wrote the correspondence course that we have. He wrote booklets. He preached hundreds or thousands of sermons, helped raise up churches, was a wonderful help. Then came along Carl Eugene McNair. He was our first director of the ministry. He's the only one who could have done what he did because he was older and had more experience, and they looked to him, and he was a tremendous help as a dedicated leader at that time. Later on, dedicated ministers such as Mr. Gerald Weston, Mr. Richard Ames, Mr. D. Barapartian, and Dr. Doug Winnell came along to help, and many, many others. We appreciate it very, very much. So, brethren, this work has been growing continuously for 22 and a half years, and we're going to continue to grow because Almighty God is with us, and we're teaching His truth and doing His work. We want to understand that. We are a continuation of the true church of God, brethren. The true church of God has come down from Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, and his disciples Polycarp and Polycrates, and then on down to such men as Peter Waldo, J.A. Brinkerhoff, A.F. Duggar, Andrew Duggar, and then men like Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong. We never want to forget what God did through that man, Herbert W. Armstrong, in our time. He's the one who synthesized the whole truth in a way no man had done for hundreds of years, put all the basic things together. 
He's the one through whom God revealed the magnificent purpose which had never been understood by any church of God that I know of until he came out with this right during the graduate school that I was sitting in in 1953. He began to realize that God was producing full sons, not partial sons, not lesser beings, but full sons of God, and we could be born in the very family of God. God used him, and we must never forget what he did. He's the one that helped us understand how to keep the entire Feast of Tabernacles at all seven of the annual holy days of God. Jesus Christ is always in charge. We made mistakes then. We make mistakes now. But we will move ahead, and Christ is in charge. He will guide us, and he will use us if we're truly humble, if we're truly dedicated, if we try to live by every word of God and not water it down. So we want to understand and do it that way. So the church is to preach the full truth, and we're trying to do that. We must give the Ezekiel warning to warn our people of what is just ahead, my friends. We've got to do that, brethren, help our people out there understand these horrible things that are beginning to happen as people are being tortured, raped, beaten, beheaded all around the Middle East, more and more in various parts of Africa as this ISIS group spreads, and other groups like that will come along. We need to understand we're living in a terrible time. We're living at the time of the end. And God help us to appreciate our calling and be very grateful we can meet together in peace for perhaps a few more years in this kind of a festival. But we must constantly then give that Ezekiel warning to our people. And then we must always, of course, do the work of preparing a people for God, preparing a people that are truly conquered by God conquered by God, honestly want to do what God says fully without watering things down and live by every word of God. This will be a group that is genuinely being prepared by Christ to assist him. We need to be prepared to assist him as those kings and priests described in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 26 and elsewhere. And we, brethren, must understand as we leave the feast that we are going to have more faith and courage than ever. But God will be used as powerfully if we fully surrender to Christ and let him live his life in us. Turn with me, if you would, brethren, back to this at this point. I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 in your Bible. You don't know, need to turn if it's dark where you are during this film, but these are basic things you've probably heard before, but let's review them. God says here in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never leave us. He will never be, leave you all alone if you walk with him and have his spirit. We must have that understanding and that faith and that courage. And I hope that you will think about that during this festival. Love each other, encourage each other, pray for each other and keep on at it. Back in Revelation chapter 3, God gives us, not just other folks, but us, a powerful warning in verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, John was told, these things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginner of the a beginning of the creation of God. It's actually mistranslated. Most of the scholars admit it should not be the beginning, but the beginner, the originator, because Christ was not a created creature. He was the originator of these things, the creator, the originator of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. God wants us to be out there learning lessons, so to speak, or else on fire for God. God help you to get stirred up during this festival, my brethren. Take these sermons seriously. Think about it. Pray about it. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, Jesus said, I will spew you out of my mouth. Boy, that's strong. That's strong. I will spit you out of my mouth, Christ is saying. If you're not on fire, if you don't have zeal, God help us to understand that. As you see these things happening around the world, let it stir you. Let it move you to want to get close to God, to get involved fully in the work of God, to give your life to God. Think about it. God does not want us to be lukewarm. You could be nice. You could attend church. We could have a nice social club on Saturday. But that's not what God wants. God wants to be filled with and led by God's Spirit because you say I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Uh, you, you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Often people are like that. They think they're okay. They have a nice social club meeting on Saturday and that's all they want. 
God help those people. God help us if we follow into that attitude. I counsel you, Jesus said, to buy for me gold refined in the fire. A fiery trial is described that way over and over in the Bible, that you may be rich and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and that you will, must anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. God wants us to see. God wants you to see. All of you around the world in this festival, please hear what I'm saying. Wake up. Let's draw close to God as a church more than we have ever done. These things are happening that we've talked about. I've been preaching these things myself for over 60 years. It's happening. God help us to understand. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase, and therefore be zealous and repent. So let's all wake up whatever a fault is. I have faults. You have faults. Don't be ashamed to admit them. But let's wake up and get on with it, brethren, and really get on fire, become on fire for God. Now I want to read to you 2 Timothy chapter 4, if you turn there, if you have a Bible or your notes handy where you can see them. 2 Timothy chapter 4, brethren, and I want to read just part of this for the sake of time. But beginning in verse 3, he tells us to preach the Word. He says, the time will come in verse 3, when you will, they will not endure sound doctrine. They're going to get into same-sex marriage. They're going to say it makes no difference to do this or that. It makes a lot of difference. God condemns homosexuality. He condemns same-sex marriage powerfully. God is going to intervene and stop that kind of thing. And we need to understand it. Abortion is murder. You could either be a mother or you could be a murderess, murdering your unborn child. God help us to think of things the way God thinks of them. Come out of this world as we're commanded to do. So he said, the time will come. They'll water things down, but not. But according to their desires, they will have itching ears, and they will heap up to themselves teachers, teachers that will water things down. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned to fables, fairy tales. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. We're got to go through trials and tests. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And all of us are being called to be ministers and teachers in tomorrow's world. We need to apply this to ourselves personally, brethren, very much. But you be watchful and do this work. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. Paul knew that the time was coming that he was going to be martyred. God apparently made it very plain here. He didn't make it plain earlier in Paul's earlier writings, but now he saw it and God had revealed it supernaturally, no doubt. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. He was soon going to have to go out some cold morning, probably, lay his head on a chopping block and suffer martyrdom for the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He was willing to do that. Many of us don't have that commit commitment. We don't have that kind of faith and courage. And as these days go on, as things speed up in prophecy, we need to build that faith and courage and cry out to God for that faith and courage. Study this book. Drink in of it. During this festival, drink in of these sermons. Draw close to God. Ask God for more faith. Ask God for more courage. Ask God for more commitment. I have fought a good fight. Paul had done that work with all of his being all of his life. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So he'd finished his race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not me only, but also all those who have loved his appearing. May God help each one of us to draw so close to Christ that when he starts to come back, that we will love his appearing. We will look forward to his appearing. We will want His appearing. We won't realize we've fouled up here and there. We'll want Him to come back and do this. So I hope all of us can drink in of God's sermons during this Feast of Tabernacles time. Love each other. Take every day time to pray to God on your knees and ask God to work with us as a church and draw us very, very close to Him. Thanks again to all of you for your part in this historical work of the living church of God. Let each of us give ourselves, brethren, to Almighty God and show Him how profoundly, how profoundly we want to be in His kingdom, how much we want to be filled with His Spirit and have Christ living His life within us, and how profoundly we want to be full sons of God forever in His very family. 
brethren, thank you. And may God bless and guide every one of you. May God bless and guide and lead and protect all of you as you continue to walk with Him. This has been a production of The Living Church of God.